Urmi Hussein is our guest today. Many of us fear change because we are afraid it will not work out. Urmi has challenged that belief. What if it did work out? She is a financial analyst who uses her free time to teach girls and women about finance. The lack of financial education is an obvious void in our curriculums and some cultural norms that hold back females. The lack of basic financial studies has likely contributed to the overwhelming personal debt that many have taken on. Umi Hussein wants to help change this. When we feel like we're in control of our futures, especially of our financial futures, we can conquer anything, even change. Welcome, Ermi. Thank you. You have both an Italian and a Bengali background. Which culture was most prevalent in your home growing up? The most prevalent was the one was the Bengali one, because both of my parents are from Bangladesh, and this is how we were raised. We were raised to be Bengali. So that was very much prevalent. We kept all the tradition, the culture. We would eat a lot of like Bengali food. We would speak Bengali. But because I grew up in Italy, I was the one bringing the Italian side in the house. So I would, for instance, I would speak Italian with my sister, sometimes with my parents. I, I had a lot of Italian friends. So when they would come over, they were mainly like Italian people. And I am someone who loves to eat pasta so that's one big thing about me is that i feel like i did grow up in a very bengali environment but at the same time i was bringing the italian side because my whole upbringing was in the whole like in italy and so i was surrounded by italian culture tradition and people so you get the best of both worlds <laughs> exactly were you the only girl in your family what was it like growing up I was not the only girl, so I do have a younger sister. But growing up in Italy, being a girl was is already hard enough because of the double mm -hmm. standards and the expectation that, that there is on a girl. But the fact that I was like a Bengali girl made it also very hard because there are so many like Bengali culture being a little bit conservative compared to the Italian one. There were a lot of restrictions in some of the things I could do. And I feel like a Bengali girls, Indian or Pakistani, they can relate to. So little things, you know, just going out, hanging out with friends. It was very much, you know, my parents were very protective and they do have a very... I would say conservative mindset. So they were always worried. So it was hard for me because I always had to follow or behave by the rules. Mm. And whereas when I would see my other Italian friends, I would see freedom that they had, which is something that I did not really experience when I was a kid. So a lot of the times I would just, you know, spend time at home and helping out at home and or studying. So I never really enjoyed things like oh, going out uh, to, to watch a movie or going out to a park because my parents were always very, very concerned about that. Mm. How, how much of your childhood has shaped the decisions you've made now that you're an adult? Well, I did recently write a book about this. So I would say that it really did shape my identity. And I think in a way it did make me I would say tenacious and, and a strong woman because 
of all the restrictions that I was living with. And I think it took me a lot of courage to write whatever I, I wrote in, in, my, in my book that I published recently. What I do talk about these little episodes that happened to me when I was a kid and how it was hard for me to grow up and have this identity crisis, I would say, because of the times I was never sure what do I associate myself with, do I say I'm Italian, do I say I'm Bengali? Like I'm, I wasn't really sure if I was, you know, putting a box part of a group. So I did really, I did really struggle a lot. And only recently I finally like, I was like, you know what, I embrace both culture and I'm going to say that I am Italian Bengali. And I would say that everything that happened to me really did make me a very res resilient person. Mm -hmm. As you forged your path, especially in the financial field, what are some of the things that you personally see missing in our education systems that perhaps we should be teaching our young kids in their primary and high school years? Well, I, it's definitely personal finance because, well, it's even in university, they don't really teach you that. You really have to take an, ele an elective to learn about personal finance. But I would say it's really the lack of education about personal finance and basic stuff like budgeting or saving or investing that no one really teaches you about. And this is something that I've seen like worldwide. It happened to me as well. Like I was never really taught about money when I was mm -hmm. growing up. I learned about money when I was like, 19 20 when I had my first part-time job and even then I didn't even know what to do I just remember like spending money just like that not saving and definitely there is like a lack of education like the curric school curriculum don't have anything related to personal finance they don't even hold any type of workshops and if you want to learn about personal finance either you have to do the research yourself or you have to let's say go to different organization like nonprofit organization that try to promote that and so definitely in elementary high school university like no one teaches you that and then when you are in real life and you are like having a tons of that you start to feel the struggle of it and you know you want to understand like how do I navigate this world of finance which is which is very it can be overwhelming but it really just you know it just requires a little bit of time just to put the effort to understand how it works yeah it's true we don't get the financial literacy mm -hmm. until it's too late so some people have already been bankrupt and that's right she that's the trustee that teaches them how to handle money right exactly <laughs> and <clears throat> Is this why you do what you do is, is how much of a difference would even just one lesson in personal finance make for a young, young person? Well, the things that I do really, I do it just because I want to make an impact to the world with the things that I know. And I think that every person is resourceful. And I think of myself like that. I just felt like, you know, I have so much knowledge about finance. So no, why not give back to the community and the, for the things that I believe in through, you know, volunteering and, you know, financially empower women. So, for instance, some of the things that I do are, for instance, I'm part of different nonprofit organizations that are dedicated to help women. And time to time, I did write articles about basic finance or, you know, like how can you save, save up? How can you like invest? So why it's so important to buy an insurance product and things like that. And I do it because I just generally have the passion and I do this also through my blog. And it's just something that I feel like sharing to the world. And you can see that little changes happen. You know, people are interested. You can see they, like people really 
engage engage with you and they ask questions and I do also mentor women who are interested in financial literacy and I just provide resources where they can find things where they can actually like you know find them useful and apply in their real life what advice would you give someone else on where to begin to learn how to manage their money well I can tell you a little bit about myself how I learned it and I didn't know anything about personal finance or finance, not until I went to university. And even after I graduated, I still didn't know because I feel like I I do have a major in finance. But even then, they only teach you like complicated stuff, like what's a fixed income, what's the stock, what's an option, how can you value them, how can you price them. They teach you all these things, which is good if you're investing, but they didn't teach you about saving, budgeting and stuff like that. So I actually... Uh, started doing that by watching YouTube videos because I was looking for free resources and I tried to do a little bit of like research on finding like who is the good YouTuber, financial YouTuber who can teach me all these things. So that was one, one place where I studied was just by watching YouTube videos from people that I actually felt like were good. And then I read a lot of books. I did read a lot of books and I also, I did read a lot of books. I did YouTube and I also read articles online just to understand a little bit more. And that's how I educated myself. And that was the easiest and I would say the most cost-effective way to actually learn. And it, and it did really, like, it really did benefit me. And some books, maybe fi- finance book for beginners could be hard, but there are some that are like, friendly and they have an easy they use a very simple language so that it's accessible to anyone but I would say YouTube is probably your best friend like honestly and then with a video I I love the University of YouTube (laughs) yeah and with a with a particular video that seems very easy to understand maybe there'll be a book reference in the description. <laughs> yes, they always do reference books, especially one of the girls that I follow. She would reference different books from Robert um, Kasiaki. I, I think I'm mispronouncing his name. But Robert wrote, Kasiaki, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he wrote, like, there are some that reference books. They, they also have courses that you can take. So it's like you can take it online from anywhere. You don't have to go to school. So yeah, they do make references to books and or other resources that you, that you can have access to. Yes, I'm sure Coursera has many free classes that are financial literacy for beginners and yeah and and any any level that you need to understand. I imagine there's some courses in there. Yes, and now like for people that are like on social media, you have financial advisor that try to attract new clients through Instagram or Facebook and sometimes they do offer free workshop for anyone who's interested about interested about money so that's also another way for you to learn or educate yourself when it comes to finances yeah oh that's great that's that's a lot of resources that's that's (laughs) awesome something I did not have when I was younger So it's easy to manage money, though, when you have it. There are people who live paycheck to paycheck. If, they're even, if they even have the privilege of having a paycheck. So how can you save money when you have to use creative financing to feed your kids one month and pay the utility bills the next month when rent eats up your entire income? 
So there is a budgeting tool. It's called 50, 30, it's called 50, 30, and 20 or something budgeting tool that tells you like you have to allocate 50% of your income towards this, 30 towards that, and 20 towards uh, something else. And that's a good way to like start you know, if you want to save or if you want to budget. And of course, like you said, some people live paycheck to paycheck, but I think it also comes to self-discipline, you know, like some people, they just tend to overspend and take on more debt. They spend on things on, on they spend more than they they earn. And that's when you end up having a lot of that. So some of, some of the things that people can do is like, look, some of these hacks, like 50, 30 and 20% budgeting tool. That's one way where you can, you know, save a certain percentage of your salary towards like savings one percent to like the other percentage towards paying your your expenses and of course you can have also you can also yeah if you also want to make more money and now that we have gone through through the pandemic there are ways for you to make money online so there are different websites where you know if you have a certain passion for something like I don't know you like to sew things you like to you have an entrepreneurial mindset you can sell stuff on Etsy or Amazon and Amazon and make extra and extra income if you have this passion for writing you can you know write a book and sell it if you have a skill um, like cooking skills you can you know write a book about that or let's say you know how to how to teach or you have a passion for languages there are different platforms where you can sign up to be a tutor so yes people leave paycheck to paycheck but it's also about you know self-discipline and having that mindset that you know i should not be spending more than my limit and i have to make an effort to actually save every month a certain percentage like in a savings account so that you know i have that in case of emergency and you have to find ways to generate money from multiple income streams and that's one thing that i learned a lot through the pandemic because we have a tendency of like concentrating like all our income is concentrating in one job and sometimes you know with the pandemic with economic crisis you might lose your job and you have nothing so you want to create like that safety margin by having you know multiple sources of income streams Hmm. and in north america we're expected to pay everything by credit card (laughs) (laughs) without a credit card you have no credit you can't you can't rent a, a hotel room without a credit card there are some cultures that teach you if you don't have cash, you can't have it. So how much does culture play into financial habits? I think it does have a big impact. And it's like you said, I think uh, some cultures are so focused on like paying with credit card. And I have seen this a lot in Canada. I've seen this a lot in the States where, you know, People just spend money, they maximize their credit card as if it was nothing. And I think that's that's actually pretty bad because you're just, you know, you're just promoting a mindset of consumerism, which is unhealthy because that's how people are in, in debt. And definitely that play, plays a big part in how I think other countries, they don't like to promote, I think, interest rate. Like, I, I don't remember now in, in which country in particular, but I know that they don't like people taking interest and, you know, borrowing money and paying interest. That's one thing that it's like forbidden, I know, in some cultures. I do think it plays a big role. So you get really influenced 
when you see people paying by credit card and I'm also guilty of that but I think a good habit is that yes you can pay with your credit card but take the habit of like paying it off as soon as possible because then interest you accumulate interest on credit cards like come up with very high fees and do not get honestly don't fall for like companies that just sells you credit card just like that especially like uh, shopping malls you know they not shopping malls like shop like some store they they tell you okay if you get this credit card i'm gonna give you this much discount because usually those ones they carry a very high fee so you have to pay attention to those things but definitely like paying off your credit card right away it's it's something that everyone should be doing and culture has has a very big impact and i did notice it that when my sister came to visit me she also felt like she was like oh you know what in canada people just pay with credit card i just don't get it this is why people are in debt and i said yes it's very common to see that yeah it is yeah and and the horrendous thing is you've got credit card companies targeting university students where they haven't got a job yet and they rack up crazy debt on their credit cards and with no way to pay it off so how does that win for the credit card company honestly i i i've seen that happen in my university as well and i was i was actually walking by the other day and i was i looked at, at this bank and i was thinking this is how students are in that because you have these banks that come and sell you this and they just sell you a dream. They tell you, no, you can buy anything you want. You don't have to pay any fees. And this is why I think you have, you need to make a research that you really have to do the due diligence because, you know, nothing comes for free. There is no yeah. such thing as free lunch. And when something is too good to be true, it's just a signal. You know, you really have to pay attention to those things. Definitely. So true. You say that fear is always your greatest ally. Explain what that means to you. <laughs> yes, I, uh, yes, I did say that, and it is, it is probably my best friend. I would say I kind of love that saying too. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I love it too, and I think it was, it was a couple of years ago that I was like, I'm looking for something about self development, self improvement, and I was caught by this book which was talking about like fear being a friend, and I was like, you know what? Let me just get go through this book and see what it is all about and it just shifted my whole idea about fear because we tend to like when we are fearful we're we are scared you know we don't go through something but but at the same time I realized that every time I was fearful it just led me and I followed the fear it just led me to something great and it happened with the public speaking so for instance Mm. like I'm part of the Toastmaster club and I remember when I first went to, the, to a Toastmaster meeting, I was that scared. And they called me on stage. They were like, okay, you have to do this table topic session. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die after this. And <laughs> I remember being super scared. Uh, like my my hands were like trembling. My, like my palms were like super sweaty. I was like, oh my gosh, I don't think I can do this. And I was very, very scared. But you know what? I did not give up. I know that this was a very scary thing, but at the same time, I also realized that every time I was speaking in front of the in front of the audience, and even though I would embarrass myself in front of everyone, the moment I would finish up speaking, I just felt like I was becoming a little bit more confident, a little bit more fearless, and that's how I realized that fear is my best friend because it led me to be 
uncomfortable, like be comfortable with the uncomfortable. And it happened, I would say, in every aspect of my life. And public speaking was one of them. Creating my YouTube channel was another one because I was so not comfortable with that. Speaking in a podcast was something that I was never comfortable with. That. But I realized that, you know, we are fearful because we do not know the outcome. But there is always something beautiful on the other side of fear. And I always feel like, Fear is just there to hold my hand and be like everything is gonna be okay and it'll just help you like to get to get closer to your true self. That's how I see it. Also, being uncomfortable with the or being comfortable with the uncomfortable with financial literacy too, the if you have never had you know you've got things happening in your life where it's not working out as as you wished it would there's some fear and not following through and getting better at financing as well right and following that budget like you said I think that is part of that as well what is one thing we can do today that can start our path to financial literacy? I always think about mindset, like having that financial mindset. It always starts with how we think and how we see money and how we can establish our relationship with money. Because I think the problem is, is the society tells you that, you know what, money is your enemy, but it doesn't have Mm. to be like that. It's true. We do see people suffering from money, but why is it that? Because everyone thinks that if I have less money, I'm not gonna make it. Like I'm not gonna make it. Like towards the end of the month, I'm not gonna be able to like pay off like my expenses and stuff like that. But it's always having that belief that you know what, it's it's okay. You know, it's it's building that financial mindset because it always starts with that, with the self belief, with having a financial mindset and having a positive relationship with money. And I think this does not just apply with money. It just applies with anything you like, you know, having this self belief that you can do it. And definitely with money, I think it always starts with financial, uh, with, with the mindset and then just taking real action. But I would say that 80% of the job just has to be with your mindset. That's it. And then the rest will come through. Umi, thank you so much for this. This was wonderful. Thank you.